One of those powerful verses in the Bible, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who live their lives called according to his divine purpose. Lutheran Schools Week begins today, goes all week long, concludes next weekend. Later in this service, a powerful video from Megan Malone. Next week in this service is powerful video from a young man, Elijah Flerke. Touched by the ministry that God has allowed in this place. Let me ask you a question as I did last night. Why is your child here? Why is your grandchild here? Is it fate? Is it good fortune or bad fortune? Why is your child here? Does God have something to do with it? Does God have everything to do with it? Gary Hallman was here last night. She's a teacher. Bill Burke was here last night. He's a retired teacher. Eric Mooney was here last night. He's a teacher. The students they have in their classrooms, in the public school, why are they there? Fate, circumstance, good fortune, bad fortune, or is it God? Does God have something to do with it? Or does he have everything to do with it. The neighborhood in which you live, the job you have, the commuter train that you take, the family that you married into. Does God have something to do with it? Or does he have everything to do with it? Message is entitled, not luck, it is God. Seven years ago, this story, 15 years ago, this story, story that comes from the Chinese culture, seems a poor peasant farmer in China had a single horse on which he depended for everything. The horse plowed the field, the horse pulled the wagon, the horse was his only means of transportation. Out in the field one day, a bee stung him, and that horse, startled, took off like wildfire, went up into the high mountains. Peasant farmer spent two days trying to find his horse, and when he could not, he returned back home. The neighbors in the village came by, and they said to him, we're very sorry about your bad luck in losing your horse. The old farmer shrugged and he said, good luck and bad luck, who's to say? A week later, his horse returned, accompanied by 12 wild horses whom he had encountered, and they followed him back to the old farmer's place. He corralled those fine animals. He had come across a financial bonanza because if they could be trained, 
he could sell them at a high price. News spread throughout the village. His neighbors come and they say, congratulations on your good luck. Financial bonanza has come to you. And the old farmer shrugs his shoulders and he says, good luck, bad luck, who's to say? Who's to say? The farmer had one child, a young boy. And that boy, a week later, decided to go out and break those horses. Very first horse he climbs on, snorts and bucks and throws him off. The boy goes to the ground, he breaks his leg in three places. Word of the accident spreads throughout the village, and here they come, right? Here they come. And they say to the farmer, We've heard the news about your boy's broken leg. We're so sorry about the bad luck that has come to you. And he replies, as he always did, Good luck, bad luck, who's to say? Two weeks later, a war breaks out between the provinces and China. The royal army comes through that village and forces into action every able-bodied male under the age of 50. Because the boy is injured, he is not conscripted into the army. One month later, there is a battle, and every male in the village who was drafted is killed. Good luck. Bad luck. Who's to stay? Romans 8, 28. We know. It doesn't say we assume in the Greek. It doesn't say in the Greek we philosophize. It does not say in the Greek we hope this is true. It does not say there's a 50-50 chance. It says we know that in all things, all circumstances, all events, where my child goes to school, where I work, school that I went to, the person that came into my life, we know that in all things, the person who left my life, the school I was hoping to go to, I had to drop out of, go to another school. We know that in all things, health and relationships and finances and locations, we know that in all things, God, not faith, not circumstance, not good luck, not bad luck, God works for the good. Two things. He works for the good of those who love him. What does that mean? He works for the good of those who respect him. Hebrews eleven six from two weeks ago. He works for the good of those who believe that he's real. And then Hebrews eleven six says one other thing. It says, what pleases God when you believe he's real and when you believe that he blesses you for following him. Not all people believe that God blesses. When I was working on the sermon this past week, I'm thinking about Matthew 25, the three servants. The master goes to the three servants. He said, man, I'm taking a vacation. 
I'm going to give you five talents, man. I'm going to, going to give you those five talents. I'm going to give this guy two talents. And I'm going to give this guy one talent. And when he returns, quite some time later, the man with five talents says to the master, I love you, I respect you, everything I have is because of you. The food on my table, the family that I have, the roof that I live under, the paycheck that I have, everything belongs to you. So when you gave me five talents, I could hardly wait to show my love and respect for you. Here's five more. And the man with two talents said the same thing. Love you, respect you, everything I have comes because of you. I can hardly wait to help you. Here's two talents more. But the third servant, he said, I don't like you. You're a hard man, you're a brutal man, you're a cruel man. You reap where you didn't sow, you harvest and... We know that in all things God works together for good to those who love him, who respect him, who say about God, everything I have has come from your hands. And there is a second part to Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those who live to serve him. You can serve him or you can serve the devil. You can serve him or you can serve yourself. All things work together for good to those who have wrapped their arms around God so tightly, who love him so much, who respect him so much, who thank him for everything they have, their eyesight, their hearing, the food on the table, the jobs they have, the family that surrounds them. They know because they know him, they know that everything that occurs will happen for their ultimate good. And even as I finished that portion of the sermon, I became the devil's advocate. I thought, what about the thief on the cross? He didn't love God. When he's hanging next to Jesus on the cross, he's cursing him and mocking him and basically spitting in his face. Did all things work together for good to him who didn't love God? The answer is yes. All things work together for good to him. He's dying on the cross, and yet that's the greatest thing that ever happened in his life. Because on that cross, the Spirit comes, and he knows Jesus. And he says to Jesus, I love you, I believe in you, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Did that man live his life to serve the purpose of God? And the answer is a very loud no. He destroyed other people's lives, a, a thief at least, and who knows what else. You see, God is God. And God can do whatever he wants to do. God can take this man and we would say, why are you letting him get into heaven? He wasted his entire life, he mocked you. God is God. And I always look at that story as one of the greatest stories in the Bible because it's a story I've used perhaps more than any other story save for the resurrection and his crucifixion. That story 
over and over again to people who say, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven. Haven't been in church in 20 years. I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven. I have this addiction, was never able to conquer it. I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven. I committed this horrendous sin 30 years ago, and I don't think God can forgive it. That story of the thief on the cross. God can work for good for anyone. For anyone who with their last breath says, I believe in you. And he says, I know you do. Conclusions from the story. We humans are in no position to make final judgments on things that happen to us. Fair enough. We human beings are in no position to make final judgments on the things that happen to us. Not our blessings. We thank God for our blessing, but we can make no final judgment on the blessing. We get a new job, and we travel down to Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, two months after we took the new job and uprooted our family, we lose the job. We make no final judgments on our blessings. Pastor Shower some months ago, speaking about people who win million-dollar lotteries. And 80 or 90% of them end up wishing they hadn't won it because it disturbs their life so greatly. And how many of them end up bankrupt or with ruptured friendships or marriages? A blessing comes from God and we say thank you. And we leave the blessing in God's hands. And when those trials come, when their storms come, that is when... We are in no position to make final judgments on the things that happen to us. Certain event, when it happens, may have the appearance of great evil. It may have the appearance of God is punishing me for something I did in the past. It may have the appearance of, is there a God? But you don't know the end of the story. You don't know the end of the story. There's a gentleman in our church, his name is Fred. He was here last night. Dear Fred. Fred works for a company on the corridor of I-80, Panduit. He bought a townhouse uh, because Panduit was right across the street and he could walk there every day. And some ten years ago they moved, as you know. Fred, at the noon hour, every single day, he eats his lunch and then he gets up and he walks. He walks the same path every single day. Half a mile down, left turn. Half a mile there, right turn. Quarter mile walk, and then we come back. He's done it a thousand times. He could take the walk blindfolded. On this particular day, he comes to an obstacle that he's come across a thousand times. And whenever he comes to this little obstacle, he walks around it very carefully. And he's on his way a thousand times. But on this day, he trips over that obstacle. And when he trips, he falls on his arm and he shatters his arm. 
They take him to the hospital. They do an x-ray on the arm. And then the doctor says, did you hurt anything else? And he said, I hit my head a little bit. And the doctor said, we're going to do a CAT scan. Go make sure that there's not any bleeding going on. And when they do the CAT scan, they say to Fred, you need to go to a specialist immediately. Tomorrow morning, you need to be at a specialist. You have a brain aneurysm, Fred. You have a brain aneurysm of a large size. And when he sees the specialist the next morning, the specialist says to him, you have very good luck going for you, Fred. Because this aneurysm would have taken your life in another three or six months. You would be dead. If you had not fallen, if they had not taken a CAT scan, you'd be dead before the year is out. Fred would be the first one to say, Doc, it wasn't good luck, it was God. And for that 64-year-old man who has always believed in God... There will never be a moment he lives until he goes to heaven that he does not remember God doing this thing. It's not good luck. It's not bad luck. It's God. Whatever is going on in your life right now, it's not the end of the story. Whatever is going on in your life right now, 6th, 7th, 8th graders, whatever is going on in your life right now, you guys, it's not the end of the story. Had a man come in this past week. He told me what was going on in his life. Usually when I'm listening to a story, I just uh, separate myself from the circumstance and try and give good advice. When he told me what was going on, my blood began to boil. <laughs> uh, he had to calm me down a little bit. Okay, there are some things in the world that are just not right. And then a a little bit sarcastically, he mentioned Romans 8.28. I know all things work together for good. At the end of the day, before he left, I said, got to remember one thing. This isn't the end of the story. You are so upset and, and my blood's boiling, but I'm telling you, this is not the end of the story. And I told him about another member in this church who 20 years ago was going through the same thing, and I told him how that story turned out, and it turned out good. I said, this is not the end of the story. God is the one. And when I think about him creating an entire universe, and when I think of two trillion galaxies, and when I think of one billion trillion stars, and when I think of what he can do, my goodness gracious, people, our life story, our circumstances in the hands of one that powerful and that loving, oh my goodness. Seeing the grandkids this past week, Connie and I, one of them comes up to Joshua, says, Daddy, this is broken. My toy is broken. 
weeping a little bit. Joshua pats her on the head and says, I can fix this. Takes it out there and down to the basement half hour later to come back with the toy. She's so happy. Daddy fixed it. Day after Christmas, Lucas has a toy. It breaks, brings it to Dad. It's broken. Dad looks at it and says, I can fix this. Going to have to throw it away and get you a new one. I can't fix this. We bring our brokenness to God. Sometimes the brokenness is because of our own sin, our own addiction, our inability to keep our mouth shut, our inability to tell our hands and feet, don't do that. If Martin Luther can say, I daily sin much, if the Apostle Paul, Romans 7.19 says, the good I want to do when I wake up in the morning, I don't do it. And the evil that I swear I'm not going to do today, that's the evil that I do. And when I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer me doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Who will deliver me from this? And he gives his own answer. He said, Jesus shall. Your brokenness may be because of your own sins. Your brokenness may be because of someone else's sin, the drunk driver that hit your vehicle and your life was never the same. The 25-year-old who sold cocaine to your 15-year-old daughter and her life and yours was never the same. You take your brokenness to God and God said, I can fix it. I can fix it. The sin you've repented of, buried Trampled under my feet, cast into the depths of the sea, as if it never were. I can fix it. And I can fill you with my spirits, and you can get up and say, I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to live for him. Good luck, bad luck. Who's to say? And the Christian shudders at those words. There's no good luck, bad luck. (laughs) There's God. So powerful to create a universe, so loving to send his son to die for us. There's God. And God is the end of the story. And my name is printed, branded into the palm of his hand. Fear not. Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? This story called My Life. Psalm 139, we just read it. From the moment I was conceived until the moment I enter heaven, 
Psalm 139.16, every day that I was meant to live on this earth, in every circumstance that I went through, either because the devil brought it, my own sins were involved, someone else's sins were involved, every day that I live on this earth was ordained by the one who wrote my life story. And if I have faith that that is true, then I have something that everyone on this earth yearns for. I have peace. Because every day is ordained by the one who walks hand in hand with me. My strength, my fortress, my guardian, my protection, my salvation. May there never be a moment or a circumstance, dear Lord, where we do not recognize your presence, your peace, and your strength. In our Lord's name, amen.